0: Okay, we are continuing Melachim Aleph, chapter seven, verse thirty-eight. We will begin today. Let's get to the end of the chapter, and then I want to do some kind of review, a little bit of a review slash uh, discussion on some of the things we've read. Okay. The last thing we spoke about was the sea. The sea was the the huge pool that was used as the the wash. The washing station for the Kohanim And for anyone who wanted to come into the Beit HaMikdash Or into the Azara Okay um, the, Alongside the pool Were the actual Were smaller washing stations That were still very large actually That were on top of wagons We described yesterday only the wagon part And we stopped right before that We actually got to the, the vessel that held the water That sat on top of the wagon Okay There were a total of 10 of these And they were situated next to the sea The Yam as it's called. So we are on Pasuk Lamin 38 is the actual vessels that held the water for the washing stations. He then made 10 copper lavers. Each laver had the capacity of 40 but. How much did we say is a bat? A bat is, we said, is an ifa, right? Yeah. And then ifa is how much? How many seah? Ifa, which is raw measure, and ifa is equal to three seah. So if it's forty bat, it's three times what today we consider the necessary amount for a mikveh. Okay, because forty seah is uh, is the amount we need for a mikveh. This was one hundred and twenty seah. Okay. So these were 40 bat measures, so these are also very large. Very large. There was one laver for each of the 10 stands. One laver for each of the, the wagon things, that had the wheels and so on. Okay, 39. And then he placed the stands, five at the side of the temple to the right and five at the side of the temple to its left. And he placed the C, the Yam, at the right side of the temple, eastward opposite the south. Again, I'm not exactly sure how this looked, what the placement was, but he placed them at, near the entrance to the temple. To remind you, the, the way the temple is broken up is actually in the Beit Mikdash, There are five sections, unlike the Mishkan, in which there are only three. Right In the Mishkan, we have the Kodesh HaKodeshim, the Kodesh, and the Chatsir, Right, Kodesh Kodashim was the, where the Ark was. The Kodesh was where the Menorah and the Shulchan and the Mizbakah was, and then you have the Azarah, which is where the Korbanot were brought, right? Now the Azarah is an area where even non-Kohanim are allowed to enter, unlike the Kodesh, and that's where the are, that's where the the, um, the Korbanot were brought. And this Azarah does have a certain level of kedusha. I could imagine people, anybody, not only Kohanim, who wanted to go in and had to wash their hands into the Azarah. Now, in the Mikdash, you have the Devir or the Kodash Kodashim, which was where the, the ark was. Then you have right outside that you have the Hechal, which is where the ten minorot and the ten uh, things were, and the Mizbah HaZahav. And then outside that you had number three, which is the Ulam, which was just like an antechamber. All three of these only accessible by Kohenim. the Kodesh Kodashim only accessible by the Kohen Gadol and Yom Kippur. And then outside of that, you have the Azara, which was where the korbanot were brought, which was where men and, and non-Ku'anim were also allowed to go with their, kwanim, with their korbanot. And then outside the azara, you had the Aizrat Nashim, which was the place where even women were allowed to go or where women, you know, like women would go. It wasn't only for women, it was men and women. But that was a place where it was just an open area where, I, I, I don't know, um, I, they probably washed before going into there also, I don't know where they, they would wash. But that was the fifth area. So the Beit HaMikdash consists of five basic basic areas, okay? I'm not exactly sure in front of which area they put these wash basins. It's maybe something we should look up. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up and I'll get find an answer for that, okay? All right. So you put five on one side, five on the other side. The Yam was there also in some kind of order. Okay, next. Um now we get to the work of Khiram. Remember we, we or Chiram, whatever his name is. Okay, Chiram we said was a a Jewish person that was living in Tsor, who has the same name as the king of Tsor. Right? <laughs> Tsor is the is the uh, is the ancient Lebanese or the, the ancient tribe that, that lived in where modern Lebanon is today. He was responsible for, for providing the king, was a good friend of David, who became a good friend of Shalomo. He was responsible in cooperation with Shlomo for providing all of the wood for the, the building, the of, the building of, of the Beit Meqdash. Meqdash. Now this guy who's also named Khiram from Tzor but is the son of an Israelite woman who was widowed. I think we said from Naftali, he said? Yes. So he was an expert in, in smith, copper smithing. I don't know what the, the verb is for that. He was an expert in that. And he was hired for all of the copper work. So now we're going to go systematically and talk about all of the copper work he did. Vayas hiram et ha kiyorot ve ha yaim ve ha mizrakot laichal hiram laasotet kol ha melacha asher asal ha melacha shlemo beth adonai amudim shneiim ve gulot ha rosh amudim shneiim ve asevachot shneiim nechasotet shete gulot ha kotarot rosh amudim ve harimonim arvam miot li shtei asevachot shnei rimonim la sevachah aichat i 'm going to quickly translate everything we just read because it was a long list of items that Hiram or Hiram, uh, depending on which verse you use uh, made Hiram mm-hmm. made the pots, the shovels, the bowls, Hiram finished doing all of the work that he did for King Solomon of the temple in the temple. Two pillars and two basins of the capitals that were on top of the pillars Two nettings to cover the two basins of the capitals that were on top of the pillars Remember these these pillars are Yahin and Boaz The ones yes. that have names, right? And we had the capitals were like the crowns on top of those um, pillars The pomegranates, 400 for two nettings Two rows of pomegranates for each netting to cover the two basins of the capitals that were on top of the pillars Very elaborate pillars The ten stands and the ten lavers upon the stands that we just read about Those are all copper the one sea, which was the bigger one, these are all <laughs> copper, okay? That was all the work of Chiram. The twelve bulls under the sea, those, remember the, the, the sea bowls? was sitting on yes, the bulls, yes, right? Yes. Now back to the Pesukim. Now this is very interesting. The pots, the shovels, the bowls, and all these vessels that Chira made for King Solomon for the temple of Hashem, all made from pure copper. Now, where did they cast them? Apparently, what they need to do is they need to melt the copper and then cast it in, in uh, in a mold and then let it sit there, right? Until it dries. The king cast them in the plain of the Jordan in firm clay between Sukkot and Sartan. Why did he do it in the... Plain of the Jordan River Or of the Jordan uh, The ideal clay for casting For the casting process Was found in the plain of the Jordan Meaning the best um, What's it called? Uh, molds, molds That you material. could make The material for the molds They were able to find In the Jordan In the plain of the Jordan So they took All of the clay, All of the copper melted it by the Jordan and used the clay by the Jordan as the molds in order to cast them. Fascinating. This is a big job, you know? Back Do then, making... And the it casting goes to show... like, a huge sea, how big that was. Right, uh, it, and it goes... Like, yeah, meadow. and then they have to carry it. It goes they to show it. how much they really spared at no cost or effort to make this thing the most perfect building ever. Also the workmanship They imported the wood from up there using yeah. you know how hard it is to like it's, a, it's a three day journey by foot maybe more, maybe five day journey by foot. With all the wood To go from Lebanon to Yerushalayim. It's yeah. not a joke, maybe three day actually. And the hills Yeah, the it's, hills it's getting nuts into is very It's not, and then there's mountains. there's mountains and then on the same side you go to the Jordan River Valley to, just to pour copper and then you have to carry it all back <coughs> it's really incredible what they did Okay and The workmanship <laughs> The workmanship Okay um, <laughs> And Solomon set aside the vessels Because there were so very, very many There is literally Throughout the entire Tanakh You'll never find an expression Of <laughs> <laughs> A lot Very much Very much Clearly there, it was just an incredible amount of Copper vessels And he put them aside The weight of the copper could not be determined He couldn't even calculate the weight Then Shilomo made all of the Vessels for the house of Hashem Which is I'm talking now about the vessels that were in the the Vessels that were in the area that was You know The Mizbach Zahab and so on Solomon made all the furnishings for the temple of Hashem, the golden altar, the table upon which was the showbread of gold, the candelabra, five on the right and five on the left. That was, we said, ten minorot. Now it says there's only one shulchan and there are ten minorot. Why do I keep saying that there are ten shulchanot? Because the Chachamim said that there are ten shulchanot. I don't know where they get it from. Okay? This is all before the divir, divir being the kodashi kodashim in Betamikash language. <coughs> and even the items used to deal with the various gold vessels were all made out of vessel, uh, out of gold. So, like, if you want the tongs used for the menorah, are also all made out of gold. <laughs> The jugs, the musical instruments, the bowls, the spoons, the pans were fine, were fine gold. The hinge sockets of the hinge doors, of the, doors were gold. of the inner house, the holy of holies, and those of the doors of the temple, that is the sanctuary, were all of gold. Attention to detail. The fact that the Sukim are telling us these details is incredible also. It's the final verse of our chapter. All of the work that King Solomon did in the House of God was completed by Avesh at Kodesh David Aviv Natan and all of the sanctified items from his father's house that David had, he brought them into the storehouse of the House of God. Meaning, he brought them into the archives of the Beit Now, what are these David sanctities that we were referring to? Uh, there are a couple of opinions. Some say it was just the expensive vessels that David had. Others say it refers to the vessels that David had prepared for use in the Beit HaMikdash And now he's bringing them into the storehouses of the Beit HaMikdash Some say it means that he put them for storage because he didn't want to use them Meaning the idea is that David had prepared all these vessels for use in the Beit HaMikdash And then Shilomo brought them in and put them away in the storehouses So that he doesn't use them, intending not to use them why not using them? There are multiple reasons. One of the opinions is because the whole purpose of the Beit HaMikdash is to be built by someone who is uh, the enabler of peace and David was a man that his whole career was uh, filled with war. So even the vessels that David had brought or David had prepared for the Beit HaMikdash, uh, Shilomo did not want to use. Okay? So that's why all of these vessels of David were ended up going into the archives of the Beit HaMikdash. Now, let's take a step back for a second. Um, first of all, a po- uh, an important point A lot of the details Of our story Are found in in the in Yamim And not in our book For example I th- Two of the most important details One was the fact that David had prepared plans And he gave the plans to Shilomo. the The idea Or the, the knowledge that David had actually prepared the infrastructure and the and the foundations for the building of Beth Mikdash, that detail is found in Divirayamim. We don't know that from the book of Melachim. That's a commonly known thing that David was the one who prepared the infrastructure and then Shalom came and built it. Right? Where we get that idea? It's not from our book. It's not from Melachim it's from Divrayame. What infrastructure exactly, like physically? I, uh, like for the, example, these vessels design. that we just these vessels that we just mentioned, the design and the architectural build we of it, and I think I think even the I'm not sure, but I think even the actual physical foundation he poured. Okay. okay. So that that whole story is found in Virayim and it's not found in Malachim. Another very very important item, which has actually been a topic of discussion before, is was the Beit Hamikdash built the same way the Mishkan was built? that God instructed Moshe as to the design, was the Beit HaMikdash also being built by the will of God. So if you look at Melachim, it looks like it's Shilomo's own plan. But if you look at I mean you'll see that actually, Beruach HaKodesh, David claims that God came to him and, and, and helped him and guided him in creating the plans for the Beit HaMikdash. It does not say Nevoah. It doesn't say like you were shown on the mountain like by Moshe, where he was Mama's shown details of how the Mishkan should be built. In Divrei Amim, it says that David got the plans for the Beit HaMikdash So even the Beit HaMikdash, which is many, many years after Moshe And we don't have a character like Moshe who has panim panim access to God Even the Beit HaMikdash is built according to Divrei Amim With the Ruach Hakodesh uh, that David had when when, uh, he had his his access to God And that's how the plans came about So these are, for example, two very fundamental details that are only found in Divrei Amim Not found in Melachim David's involvement and God's involvement, Right? Do they say was it the was it the plan to build the Beit Hamikdash in Yerushalayim, or was it with all of these details to build it like this? I don't know. I have to build... I have to look at the P'sukim and Divrei'im. Yeah. I I, yeah, I like, don't know. The... Okay, now I want to show you now a, a summary that you may not have realized is the it's the structure of everything we've read. Okay, so this whole thing of the construction of the Beit Hamikdash started in the cha- at the beginning of chapter six and ends at the end of chapter seven. So it's two chapters. And chapter seven is a fifty-two verse chapter, so it's uh, and chapter six is a thirty-eight verse chapter, so it's not like uh, these are. So like ninety psukim of construction of the Beit Hamikdash. Okay, the pattern that we saw is that first we described the structure, which was based on the stone. The stone becomes the foundation and the basic structure. After the structure of the Beit Hamikdash, what did we come up? What did we come across? Not yet Actually at that point God communicated with Shilomo And warned him And he said This Beit HaMikdav shall only stand If you follow my word Now what came after uh, The communication from God We had the wood Okay And then after the wood What did we have? We had another interruption The interruption that was Shilomo's own house Yes. Because a lot of the wood was used also for Shalomo's forest house, and then also for his, the the house of judgment, which is his own home, and then the house of Bat Paro. And then after we finished this diversion of Shalomo's house, which contained these three locations, we went back to the Beit Hamikdash and started describing the metal construction, which we started with okay. copper, right. And that was the sea and the wash basins and all the vessels that were used, and, and all the, the various copper vessels over here, plenty. And that was all the work of Khiram. That's where we introduced the Khiram, the second Khiram of Tzor. And then finally, the last part of the construction of the temple is the gold. Okay, so this is the pattern that we saw. We saw the, the foundation, then the instruction from God, then the wood. The wood was often just used in like paneling, the equivalent of, let's say, sheetrock today, it was the wood. Okay, then uh, the royal compound of Shilmo himself. Then the metal, the copper, then the metal gold. Okay, that was the order. A big question, which I don't know if we'll get to today because we're running, we ran out of time, is why the interruptions in the story? Okay, we had the foundation and then interruptions to tell Shilmo. By the way, this is only going to be built; it's only going to successfully stand if you follow God's word. Then we had. Woodwork, and then it goes to Shilomo's own house So why the interruptions? I'm not exactly sure, but there's a very nice idea at least for the first interruption Which was that when Shilomo finished building the foundation God interrupted him As he was about to start working on the interior and he said if you think that the strength of the foundation Or the beauty of the inside is what's important You're wrong. That's not the most important part. It is the service of God. This house will only stand so long as God is is served and the mitzvot of Hashem were kept. And if so, then the foundation will actually do its purpose and and sustain this building. Otherwise it will not. As for the other interjection of why Shalomo's house is injected into the middle of the story of the Beit HaMikdash, some say it's a negative thing. Some say it's to show that Shalomo kind of lost sight on who he was building this Beit HaMikdash for. Was it it for his own glory? Does it necessarily mean it's in chronological order? No, it shouldn't be. because It's not at all. The, the whole thing is definitely not in chronological yeah. order because we know that the first seven years were all Beit HaMikdash and the second half was 13 years of only his house. Now, to interject his house into before the medal was even cast means that we're the team are not laying this out in chronological order, which means that there is for sure a purpose behind it. But um, we will, you know, maybe we could analyze that on Monday. Baruch Adonai wa Amen v'Amen.